Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Oilers now, uh, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. If you're looking for a great place to have a Christmas party, uh, Brendan and the staff at Roos Chris will take care of you, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town. Every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Tell Chris, Chef Eltaf, and Brendan that Oilers now sent you. Mac T on Mondays with Craig Matavish, brought to you by Contract Equipment Limited, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with rental and sales. All right, we didn't just, I, I want to put a bow on Chris Knobloch. Uh, all right, so what, what else have you noticed about him? I mean, you knew about him a little bit. What have you noticed about him so far? Well, in listening to the undercurrent of some of the uh, interviews with the players, and Zach Hyman is a guy that I, when he speaks, I pay attention. Uh, and you can feel nobody wants to throw the former coach under the bus, and nor should they because of the quality of the work that he did here. But you really see that there is an appreciation of the work that Chris has done in a short period of time and the respect that he's garnered with the hockey team in a short period of time. My assessment, as I said, I don't know him uh, uh, well at all, but to me, he comes across as a a real person and an authentic guy. And uh, it's, it's, it's about the team. It's not about any type of self-promotion or trying to be the smartest guy in the room, although it looks like he might be. Uh, And I think he's done a great job garnering the attention, getting the attention of the players. And, uh, you know, he he obviously knows his stuff. He's got a lot of experience. And the, the question I have is when he needs to hit the dial and pump the players and get a response out of them, is he going to be able to go in there and do it? And, I mean, coaches can't do that a lot, but there are times when you can, as a coach, have a real significant impact on your messaging between periods to evoke uh, the necessary change in uh, whatever. Is it a work ethic, physical play? Um, And I know as a coach here uh, with some of the teams I had that I could – dial up the team when I needed to. I had guys like Mike Greer and Ethan Morrow and Todd Marchand and uh, the the guy that, I, that would go out and fight for sure the next period is Steve Sales. Right. So I think uh, he comes across as a quiet guy, a cerebral guy, and is he going to have the fire to be able to elevate the team and get, uh, drive the team when he needs it and that's maybe three or four maybe five times a year I was going to say how many times did you during the 06 playoff run how many times did you dial it up with the players 
Not much there because we were we were rolling. Right. Uh, I think uh, you know going from the restaurant uh, in uh, <clears throat> in Detroit in Game Five the night before Game Five uh, kept the players on the bus and had a good uh, message to the players that. Uh, uh, coming back from that restaurant and got a really good response uh, uh, from the players because you know they're going to buy stuff they know is true, and uh, sometimes coaching is a little bit of the science of being the master of the obvious, but you also can't BS the players either, and they're going to buy into uh, things that they believe are true. And uh, they'll get some inspiration from that. And I, I, I think uh, Chris will have that ability, but uh, we'll, time will tell. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that uh, game five against Detroit. Uh, so that dinner you guys went for was on a Friday night. And the game five was on a Saturday in Detroit. It was a matinee game. The Bears had won the national title in 2006. And remember Sandy Nesbitt, Kevin Lowe's old roommate that yeah, owned overtime yeah. Royal and Tampa? Sure, yeah. So I had the radio show on the other station, and I had Contra for the entire year. It was a lot, okay? And I took the Bears out, and we went hard that night, okay, to overtime. Like, I think I got yeah. him about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and then the next day went back to grab my vehicle. Watched the entire game there. Two things. That was Chris Pronger. And I don't know if I was still, you know, half in it, if you know what I mean, the next day at like 12.31. Like, there had been enough that I, you know, I yeah. like I took the cab over. and Anyways, Chris Pronger was so good in game five. And at the end of the game, Remember, you talk about getting your guys to buy in. You're in the final seconds, and Horkoff's out there blocking shots off his head at the end of the yeah. game, and you came on to help Horkoff up. That was a level of... I thought he was dead. That's the only reason I came on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got it right in the... It looked like he got it right in the head, but, uh, yeah, amazing uh, performance from the team. And I remember, as a little bit of an aside, uh, Mike Babcock was renowned for trying to screw with the opposition. And uh, I remember we had ice time, and George wasn't going to play that game, and nor were a few others. And we had solidified ice time uh, at 10 o'clock. And so the night before, we get a call from their media guy saying that uh, Mike wants that ice time. You're not going to get that ice time. And I said, uh, you know, you tell Mike that I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock with our stuff on, and George LaRock is going to be the first guy over the over the bench at 10 o'clock. So you decide what you want to do. And uh, I think the players uh, got a little motivation uh, out of that kind of juvenile game too yeah. as well. Yeah, you guys ended up winning the six. Brownlee and me were right uh, in that series. The only two guys in town to pick you. And, and you know what I... Two years later, Detroit won the Cup. I'm going to tie this back to Knobloch. Knobloch talked about his influences, who he thought of when he uh, got the job. Speck asked him the question, and he teared up because he thought of his wife, and the, you know, because she gave up her career as a speech pathologist so he could coach. And the second person he mentioned is Rob Don. And during the 2008 Detroit run, uh, Rob was on your staff during the 07-08 season, and Mike Babcock called him after every game of the Detroit run to get him to break down uh, some stuff tactically and wonder what sort of changes Rob thought uh, the teams that they were playing would make uh, going in. So, you know, Pitts, they ended up uh, right, they right. Ended up in the Stanley Cup final, winning that final in 08. And basically trying to, pr- as a predictor, to see, okay, what do you think the coach will do to counteract this? He And he talked to Dom after every game. 
And that's and that's the sort of resourcing that people don't always know about. Like I'm sure there's coaches around the league at times. I don't know if you did that during an 06. Some coaches don't even ask their assistants. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I, I think those days are over. Yeah, well, the game's too too well, much work you, now. You, you got you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a plan this year, Craig, and the plan went sideways. That's that's the Oilers. Yeah. I, I think nobody thought for a second the Oilers weren't going to be a playoff team. I'm going to say yeah. again, a hundred. At 42 games last year, Craig, I said the Oilers would win 50. They'd still win 47 to 52 games. They got to 50 wins, okay? At 42 games, they had 21 wins last year. I still think they're going to be a playoff team all day. I think they're helped because there's a real mushy middle in the Western Conference that's going to right, help them a correct. bit. But there is a plan here. But there's something yeah. that has to get addressed. I think you would agree on that. They well, can't, I, they, I, go I, ahead. I, I, I really feel like the plan was solid going in because you want to maximize the asset that you bring in and you do that by waiting as long as you can to get to the trade deadline where you can bring in some pretty significant uh, contracts uh, for a discount uh, money. And that for sure was going to be the, the, the strategy going in. Now, there's a lot of criticism uh, in hindsight now, but I never really heard any at the start of the year because it, it it was uh you know the oilers nobody was really fearful of them missing the playoffs or skinner you know his obviously his role and responsibility has been accelerated relative to his level of experience in the nhl which you know can be problematic for younger goalies um and uh but it was a solid, a solid uh, plan going in. Like we'll get in, we'll see see if the goaltending is good enough, and if it's not, then at that point, possibly you have the potential to add somebody. Uh, but you know that 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 plan went out the door uh, based on the start. And what prolonged some of the decision making in my mind was the fact that the Oilers were dominating a lot of the games that they were losing. Right. right. And so it was hard for the manager and the management team, I'm sure, to reconcile exactly what was happening and why they were losing these games. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, they were losing the games and some decisions, hard decisions had to be made. Uh, the coach suffered... Uh, the, the, Which the, you, you hate seeing the, that. The, I'm a former coach. I respect the, the, the job that these guys do and how tough it is. So... Hey, I'm not arguing that it doesn't have effects at times. You look at John Hines going into Minnesota now, uh, replacing Dean Evason, and there's been a huge bump. And uh, and I so, think he's a great coach, by the way, Dean Evason. I think he's, he gets a lot out of his teams. He's, uh, I mean, these things have significant changes. When Jay went in, there was significant uptick. Uh, when when Jay took over for Dave Tippett, who in my mind was a very good coach too as well, but uh, you know the the the, the uh, Stewart's playing really well right now, uh, but you know he's not going to be able to carry the table, run the table himself. He's going to need some help, and uh, you know we can all hope that Jack's going to figure it out. I mean I don't know that there's enough evidence to lead me down that path yet. But uh, there's there's hope and there's reality, and uh, yeah, I guess the reality is he's going to get an opportunity to come back and and uh, try and solidify uh, a backup position. Uh, but failing that, there's got to be something. We got to try and do something. Four of the next 
six opponents for Edmonton on this homestand. Carolina is last in the league, 868 save percentage. New Jersey, who haven't, so they played Carolina Wednesday. New Jersey, who the Oilers play on Sunday, are at 873. The Oilers have moved up to 874 as uh, Skinner's been 939 in the last four games. Uh, Minnesota's at 883. And Tampa Bay, who's in this homestand, are at 881. Like, there's some other teams out there with real, like, real challenges not getting a lot of stuff. That doesn't even bring us to Chicago. Like yeah. Chicago's got multiple players minus fifteen or worse. Well, ho- hopefully the system deployed by Chris Knobloch is, is going to help the goaltender. And you go back to the Carolina game, which we'll see them here Wednesday, as you mentioned. the The first three goals in that game were empty net backdoor goals, yep. which takes the goalie right out of it. Uh, Jesper Fast on on the first goal, slot line plays that go across the goalie. And the defense, in my mind, the way I looked at playing defense, uh, defensive zone coverage is you have to protect the goalie on the weak side. And it allows the goalie the comfort to challenge the strong side, challenge the shooters, knowing that the defense, and a lot of times the defense in front of the net has a choice of two guys, the guy directly in front of the goaltender or the guy on the back door. And to me, it's uh, there was very little gray area there in terms of who he had to take away. You have to manage both, but you can't get beat on the back door. If it doesn't go to the guy in front of the goalie, then potentially you have to move off the back door, but you protect the back door first. And then the other two goals were direct result of two-on-ones, backdoor plays, the Jack Drury goal and the Taravainen goal were backdoor plays. And, uh, you know, you just need to protect the goalie on that backside. Otherwise, you can't blame him. I know I know Stewart got uh, pulled in that game, but really... He had one bad goal. Yeah, yeah. By Jarvis. Yeah, and Jarvis, yeah, Jarvis is... Pretty good shot. And but, a yeah. good young offensive player that yeah. the Oilers... Uh, you know what? If Tyler Wright gets Jarvis instead of Dylan Holloway, Dylan's had some injury issues... The orders were Seth Jarvis was going to be their pick at 14, and he went 13th to Carolina. I mean, that's rep, he's yeah. represented by Jerry Johansson. I know the orders were taking him. So uh, it's interesting because to me, that game sparked the turnaround with the team. The third yeah. period, they came out and they they started moving, and they were first on pucks all over the ice, tilted the ice, hit a couple posts, got to, got it to five three before losing a six three. But I like their period. But but you're like, well, you know, is this uh, score effects? You know what I mean? You're getting yeah. your ass kicked, and, and so you, yeah, that's always my concern in that situation. And then they went out and absolutely dominated Washington 5 nothing on the Friday, and, and and they've put together some wins since then. So I'm with you. This game Wednesday, to me, will real, uh, reveal a bit, especially... They or, don't make mistakes. Carolina, very well coached by Rod Brindamore, who straight, I played with in Philadelphia. Straight man defense, too, eh? They, they play man better than any team in the league. And very aggressive. Right. But they have the mobility and the size back there to do it. And if you don't have that mobility and you don't have that size and power, you're going to get beat in those one-on-one situations, and then you've got a problem. Um, but they're a team that doesn't make mistakes, and they're a team that's very patient. They're very experienced in playing. They haven't had a lot of success in the playoffs playing that way. But they're a team that's very comfortable playing that patient, stingy game that sometimes can get our guys uh, out of their game plan and give up opportunities. 
I want to mention to you that uh, a reminder uh, about New West Travel. We've sold out our Montreal road trip for January. We've already sold out our Nashville road trip earlier this season. In the past, we've had such luminaries such as Craig McTavish and Ken Holland and Paul Coffey and Wayne Gretzky out at our meet and greets. Uh, we will be announcing a new Oilers Now road trip with New West Travel. Visit newwesttravel.com for more information in days to come. It's 5.50 in Edmonton. When we come back, I'm going to throw Mac to you. Total curveball. This is Oilers Now. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brandon Escott and Kellen Kennedy. Mac T is here. Mac T on Mondays for Craig Matavish, brought to you by Contract Equipment Limited, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with rental and sales. All right, Mac T. Uh, Oilers, that was a big, big, you know, very poised professional performance in Winnipeg before they had their little mini break there. And you, there was something you liked that happened on the game winning goal. What was it? Well, I liked a lot about that game. I thought uh, it was as complete a game as what our hockey teams played. And, uh, you know, I loved Darnell tying the game. It was a nice play by McLeod to get the puck up to uh, Darnell. McLeod, nice to see him uh, uh, score too as well. Uh, but the 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 power play and the emotion that Leon showed when uh, he scored that goal, this, you know, it, it's we've talked about it a lot. I've I've said it a lot. There's a ton of pressure on hockey players, in particular hockey players in this market, and uh, you know, it it just it was it looked like a big release for Leon. Now Connor scores. He doesn't always. Uh, show a lot of emotion unless it's a huge goal because he hates drawing any type of attention to right. himself. You know, he, does, he hates talking about himself, hates it. He'd rather, as I've said before, he'd rather fight the guy that asks the question than talk about uh, himself. But uh, when Leon put that goal in, I mean, it was the exact right uh, show of emotion. There was two minutes and 30 seconds or something like that left in the game, and it was, it was, it was a release for sure for them. And he's had opportunities in that spot that he hasn't executed on at the same uh, proficiency as he's done throughout his career. Well, he was so he's I done it a couple times in the last week, obviously against to Anaheim too. All right, uh, so you talked about pressure. You played in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a tough town, man. They, I mean, they booed Santa Claus there, right? They were all over Mike Schmidt. He was the best Hall of Fame third baseman back in the day. Roman Gabriel was quarterback. Donovan McNabb, quarterback. They were hard on him now. They have one of last super- night. They were booing the uh, the Eagles off the field, <laughs> right? But 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 yeah. their security guy became a legend. Yeah, that guy, <laughs> is, the fixer. He's never going to pay for another cheesesteak in, in his life. <laughs> well, looks like he hasn't been cheated too many cheesesteaks. Yeah. And that's me. He's paid for them. He's paid for them. So let's do this. You played with arguably my favorite. Well, it's not even an argument. My favorite non-oiler of the 1990s was Eric Lindros. Like he was for the first five years in the league, he was an, in my opinion, an incredibly dominant player. Uh, you you got to know him pretty well, right? Like he's yeah, you spent I a lot spent of spent a lot of time with Eric when I got to Philadelphia. And uh, what what a what a specimen! I mean, just a, talk about a bull in a china shop. That guy was so strong, and that stick. I mean, you couldn't bend that. He's the only guy that could bend that stick of his. And when he laid it across you, he broke bones. And uh, then 
he he was teamed up with John Leclerc, who was a powerhouse, big powerhouse too as well, and uh, Michael Renberg and those guys, the Legion of Doom, and right. they they were as dominant a line as the game's ever seen for quite a long period of time, and. Uh, you know, it was good to see Eric get the recognition to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He probably had a shorter run than uh, what everybody would have anticipated. Right. But, you know, the, uh, a 17 or 20-year career in the NHL isn't for everybody. And I think he felt a lot of pressure, and some guys are better at uh, handling that level of pressure for, you know. Did you ever see him, Matt? Oh, yeah, yeah. And was yeah. he scary? Oh, scary, yeah. Yeah, he was so strong. I mean, it just, he would just pummel guys. And, I remember uh, the, there was he a He liked game. to do it. He, he, <laughs> he liked to do it. Did he? Yeah. Remember the game in Vancouver? I, I think he hit Lume. Maybe we can get Escott to look this up. He, he hit like Lume, and then somebody else, Merzen, came in to run him after he hit Lume. And he, like, Dana Merzen's six foot three and 230 pounds, and he just straightened up and knocked, like, Merzen took like a 15 foot run at him and just knocked him right on his ass. Like, he just, yeah. Like, he could do that, you know? Well, he, he could, yeah. And he, I mean, they could shoot the puck. It was the, the, the physics would be like me shooting a marble, you know? Yeah. Like, that's how powerful he was. All right. Awesome stuff. Hey, thanks for coming in. Uh, Good are to you be in back. Are you in town uh, next Monday as well? Yeah. Because we got a Sunday game against. Uh, I, I know the schedule this week. Uh, I'm back on with Gene for the Wednesday game and uh, against the Carolina Friday game. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. I'm on with you. Yeah. Can't he, wait to see you again. I did everything Bob, yeah. possible to get sure you say yeah, that. Yeah. You and me together, right? Yeah. You that's can't good. see the winks on the radio. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Thanks for All coming right. in the studio. That is uh, Craig McTavish. It's 558 in Edmonton. Mac T on Mondays again brought to you by Mike and the folks out at Contract Equipment Limited, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer with rental and sales. I believe, uh, any, uh, let's see, Kellen, where are we going here with the global news weather traffic update? What do you want? James Dunn up next with the global news weather traffic update back with Frank Saravalli from the NHL Board of Governor meetings out of Seattle.